A year ago, I interviewed A's President Dave Cavill. It was not our first interview together. In fact, accepting the pandemic seasons, I've had a one-on-one with Dave every season he's been in the position with the team. Our chats have always been civil, but they've always been littered with politician-caliber spin, and you really could talk to Dave for an hour and not have any more information than you started with. So I decided for this one that I was going to challenge his spin as best as I could, because we all know the 2022 season did not start off well for fans. Listening back to the interview today, though, with the latest Vegas news fresh in my mind, I'm struck by a number of things that he said a year ago that don't ring true today. So I wanted to play it for you here so you can really analyze how horribly Dave presents his own brand's messaging. You'll hear him brag about the first binding vote in Oakland, which was a fairly recent news at the time of the interview. You'll also hear him talk about how the A's being granted revenue share again would mean more investment in the payroll, which we now know was a massive lie. In terms of attendance number, he cites the Giants and A's both being 10,000 fans fewer than previous years without acknowledging that that's a 60% drop for one team and a 15% drop for another. And he also talks about how in 2019, it was embarrassing that the A's couldn't get much more than a million fans for the year, but tries to spin the 2022 season as not being that bad, despite attendance in the first week trending towards several hundred thousand below a million for the year. The thing that really struck out to me, though, is that he talks about all the offers they've made on land in Las Vegas, even going so far as to say they made an offer just days prior. What happened to those land offers? The news this week is that they would probably make a binding offer on some land if some stuff all lines up. Why is this news if they've been making offers for over a year? At the end of the day, there's not a truthful moment in Dave's comments. As far as the season ticket holder debate goes that we have, he keeps accusing me of comparing apples to oranges when I was comparing season ticket to season ticket, and he was comparing season ticket to single game tickets in the second deck. It's as disingenuous, slimy, and cringy as you could possibly get, which leads me to believe that when the A's finally rid themselves of this carnival barker, he'll go straight into politics, because it's pretty obvious that's who he emulates in his position. On the same day as this interview, Dave challenged Damon Bruce to an Elon Musk-moderated debate, which I don't know why either one of them would get involved with that. And then he also got into a Twitter feud with a Siegel parody account. Since that day, he appears on Twitter rarely and never offers any information or engagement with fans. Have a listen for yourself with a year of hindsight between this interview and today. And also swing by HeroHabit.com to read all the articles I've written since this interview, including one where I analyze his complete departure from social media. We've also got a discussion group there that you can join uh, where I'm posting some more casual articles about the mess this team is in right now, and you can post and vent and uh, commiserate with other fans. Without further comment, here he is, A's president, Harold Hill, uh, Dave Cavill. So since we last spoke, which was several months ago, um, have there been any unforeseen roadblocks or delays with the stadium process or things going more or less as you'd expect them to go? Well, I think there's been two or three setbacks um, this year that have been unfortunate. You know, we first got the great news that the environmental impact report was voted on and certified by the city council in February. This was the first binding vote we'd received on the project after working on it for five years. So that was a huge accomplishment. And I think we felt at that moment there was a lot of momentum. But subsequent to that, there's been a couple developments that have been concerning and ones that we've had to manage through. One was the Seaport Advisory Council of the Bay Conservation and Development Commission 
Um, they actually voted no on the project and said that it basically should stay a parking lot for diesel trucks. And that was an unfortunate development, and that's put a lot of attention on the BCDC vote, which is going to happen in June. Um, secondly, there was a lot of discussion from Carol Fife about a referendum that would significantly delay the timelines of approval. That also was something that was a little disconcerting. And then third, you saw we had the lawsuits, you know, the three lawsuits. Mm -hmm. I think the bad news there is that there's three lawsuits. The good news is, you know, they're really from just polluters and, you know, um, industrial concerns and not really community groups. So I think that actually is a positive and, Oh, we that, actually have that wasn't an unforeseen you know, like, roadblock though. I mean you guys had done no, that no, litigation no, no. knowing that those lawsuits were we coming. Did. So that was that one I think um we're hopeful, you know, and especially, you know, to be honest with you, we thought there would be more lawsuits mm -hmm. than the three. And we thought there would be lawsuits from many community groups. That's usually what you see in these situations. The only quasi community group that sued is the East Oakland Stadium Alliance, which is really an AstroTurf organization. I don't think there's anyone from East Oakland even in that organization. So I think that actually is something I know it's been in the news a lot. People are very concerned about the legal cases, but you know, we, we do have the expedited judicial review. We were expecting the lawsuit. So I think the bigger concerns around BCDC um, and the referendum. Is there anything that has you more optimistic today than you were when your parallel path strategy began? Oh, I mean, getting the environmental impact report um, certified by the city council is just a massive accomplishment. Um, it's a big deal. Um, it shows that environmentally you can build the project. It takes a lot of risk out of the project. So that was obviously tremendously beneficial. Um, secondly, you know, we've been working very closely with the city to try to finalize this development agreement. Uh, as part of that, you know, the state is contributing dollars to the port to help with some of the infrastructure. That's a huge um, positive. So I think there are some really um, positive developments, bright lights in terms of you know, getting the project approved, but we're still not all the way there. And it's, you know, it's, I tell people it's kind of like college football, you know, when you have an early season loss and you have to win every game to make the national championship game. It's kind of like that. You have to win every one. We can't lose in any one of these things. Right. And you know, because it's already taken so long, Tony, you know, it's it's critically important that we do have another parallel path right. and have another option because we, we are really desperately running out of time. So there's spending, you know, over five years on this. Right. And there's been uh, reports that about a half a dozen you guys were interested in making offers on about a half a dozen Las Vegas properties. Have any of those materialized in anything beyond interest from you guys? And do you get the sense that Las Vegas is even receptive to having the A's move if Howard Terminal can't get done? Well, I think there is a viable path in Las Vegas as well. Um, we're making a lot of progress. Right, we're but does, does, right Las, now. does Las Vegas agree with that, or is this you and MLB saying there's a viable path? Well, I think there are three steps to the process in Las Vegas. The first step was assessing the market feasibility, and that was things like focus groups, customer surveys, meeting with the large resort operators, casinos, meeting with all the unions, the city council members, really to judge if there was a general support for the team. And all of that was has been extremely positive. Like, I think there's support in every area for that. They've seen the success of the Raiders, the Golden Knights, Formula One. So I think that box is checked. And that took, you know, six or nine months to get to that position. The next step is like, where would the stadium go? Can you find a viable location um, that can appeal both to tourists 
uh, as well as locals. And we're in the final stages of that. We're down to a handful of sites in the resort corridor that we're actively negotiating. We've made offers. You know, I actually made another offer yesterday. So this is like really hot and happening every day. Um, and once that announcement is, is complete, then the final piece is what is the public-private partnership? How will the city, the state, the county participate in helping to make the project a success? That is not, that's not defined yet, and it depends on the site, and that's kind of the third and final piece because you need all three of those things, feasibility, site, public-private partnership, to even have the ability to go to Major League Baseball and the other owners to ask for a relocation. So that's the process that we're on there. It's completely happening in parallel to the process in Oakland. We're moving both forward with as much energy and uh, resources as we can. You know, we have like, you know, scores of people working on this. And we're doing that because we are just absolutely desperate to solve this 25-year saga of the A stadium situation and, and find a, a permanent home. And why do you think the MLB is allowing you to explore Las Vegas when an expansion team is estimated to bring in anywhere from $1.5 billion to $2.1 billion in fees? Why would they allow you to do this as opposed to just forcing your hand in Oakland? Is it fair to at least consider that they're allowing you to use Vegas to apply pressure on Oakland so that you can get your path done there and then using you to scout out for this potential expansion once Oakland and Tampa Bay get their stadium situations resolved? I can't speak for Major League Baseball. I can only say that the direction of the league has been very clear, that there are two viable options they feel for us right now. Obviously, this path in Oakland, which has been, you know, lots of ups and downs, lots of roller coasters, as well as the path in Vegas, they consider both viable and ones that need to be pursued with, you know, the utmost urgency. And we're going to continue on those parallel paths until we find some sort of resolution one way or the other, whether it's in Southern Nevada or it's in Oakland. I can't say right now which way it's going to be. We know that for both communities, it's unsettling to have all the uncertainty, especially for Oakland, because we've been here for 55 years. But by the same token, you know, we have spent five years, over $200 million, just in Oakland to try to get the approval. The level of investment is just on a scale that has really never happened in any stadium effort, really in any sport. So, I mean, we're, we're in an unprecedented zone here and we're doing everything we can to get the approvals, but we also have to have a parallel path because we still don't know. We could lose the BCDC. There could be a referendum that we could lose. We might not get a development agreement. You know, we could lose the lawsuit. These are real things that could still happen. Some of them are completely out of our control. We're trying to influence them and you know, kind of direct it. Um, but, you know, we have to be making business decisions that are in the best interest of the team, the fans, the players, and the league. Well, I think it's fa fair to say you haven't made the best decision on the on from the side of the fans because it's hard to justify, um, you know, going to a team that won't even pay to have the cobwebs sprayed off the, the seats at the stadium for opening well, weekend it's when, you guys, are, when you guys That's are trying to build two stadiums at once. And I know ultimately you're not but, going but Tony, to build two stadiums. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. But you're trying to build, you're taking these two parallel paths. You do an incredible investment into both Las Vegas right. and Oakland. And even though you may never put a shovel in the ground in 
Las Vegas or Oakland, right? It's good. It's going to be one or the yeah, other. You're not right. building two stadiums, yeah. but you're still putting no, in all this no. investment. And last time you told me it was over a hundred million dollars in Oakland um, to get that going. If we can expect another hundred million dollars in Las Vegas, while the fan experience is being totally neglected in Oakland, I think it's a tough sell for A's fans to think that you are have even considered their, their, their experience at all. And when you first came to Oakland, you made it a point to focus on the fan experience, but there seems to be a sudden, I, total Tony, lack of concern. I, I reject for that. that. I reject that. You can reject, reject it, but saying. it's, it's absolutely well, you the perception. This, and you, you haven't, but, but, it, but Twitter is not the real world. Twitter is not the real world. Opening day, but nobody no, but was at the saying, opening Tony. day, Dave. Nobody was there. Yeah, there were 17,000 bodies there. There were a lot of people have with you, smiles on their faces. Have you, ever had an opening, had, have you ever had an opening day under your tenure where there was less than 20,000 people at the park? Yes. You're I averaging 7,942 people. I had no fans one year. No fans at the Oakland Coliseum. You had zero fans on opening day. Yes, I did in 2020. We that hardly we counts, Dave. That, that hardly fans. counts. That's and a disingenuous argument. And then last year we argument. had 9,000. That's a disingenuous we had, argument. We had a pandemic. Yeah, you well, can't blame I, the pandemic I, this for this, though. The, the Giants it, are across it, the hall it, doing 32,000 a day. No, but that's the, they're actually been averaging much, le, much less. No, they're averaging 32,100. They're, they're averaging 32,184. They're averaging 32,184 per game in the six games that they've played at home. Which is significantly down from where they were. It's still four times. It's still, it's still four down, times what Oakland's They're down about 10,000, and we're down about 10,000. Yeah, both but down they're still outselling you four to one. That's the point, is that the fan experience yeah, has been have. noticeable. Yeah, but what? that's your job as the president, right, to overcome that. You've got this uh, this stadium that— Tony, Tony, that, Tony, do you think that the fan experience— So when I was at, like, the game this weekend, and people were, like, in the treehouse, or they were— in the really nice new lounge seating with TVs or at Shy Park Tavern getting a really nice pizza and, you know, or, you know, we're in Championship Plaza getting a frozen yogurt. We have added all these amenities. We've spent $30 million on the Coliseum. And you also stopped, you stopped, and you stopped marketing and you doubled the prices of season tickets. Marketing, go on 880. You have, we have billboard. Dave, you used to have an award-winning, beloved, ad campaign every year the fans loved it it won you awards it was hugely uh impactful it crossed multimedia it was on the billboards and on the internet and on the commercials and now that you can't tell me that you've been doing that for the last few years and i get that the pandemic changed things but well, you're we, allowed we to sell out in now. the pandemic but you're allowed to no sell you're like allowed to sell out now fan. you're allowed to sell out now so why why, yeah, and, why aren't we and, investing in that marketing we are. And how do you and justify think, doubling the season ticket prices when you slash the well, member also benefits? That's, that's not accurate. That's not accurate either. Tell me how I'm so wrong. Tell me how I'm look, wrong. We have not. So, so we, the last time we had sold season tickets was 2019. In 2021, our last season where we had fans, we first in pod seating, but then normally, we sold tickets just as regular individual tickets. We took that price. We discounted it by 20%. And we sold season tickets. Then why do and I have why do I have fans reaching out to me saying that their season ticket package from pre pandemic to now has gone up fifty to eighty percent for the same seats well, and, I, and the, fewer the, benefits? The, this is the thing. They're comparing a different product, A's Access, to the traditional season ticket package that we have now. Which is more akin no, to regular I'm, tickets. I am talking and about so it's an apples and oranges. No, comparison. it's not. I'm talking about one fan in particular who had 
10 or 12, uh, I forget how many days, right on the visitor's dugout, first row behind the visitor's dugout, season tickets, not A's access, not any of that other stuff, and her price went up 80% to the point where she didn't renew. So how do you justify the cost of going to a game to investing in your team? How do you justify that to the fans when you slash the benefits that they get, right? They don't get the 50% discount on concessions and all that anymore. How do you justify that to fans when you're also have an exodus of players on the field and all these Tony, other little things? You can things. come to the stadium, Tony, you can come to the stadium for $15. A family of four can come for $9 a person. And where do they sit these for $9? These are very affordable numbers. They sit in the second deck. See, you're not answering level. my question, though. Totally I'm not fun. talking about. I'm not talking about second like, deck general admission seats. Well, I'm talking about your season well, ticket a, no, people. Those are reserve. No, that's that's a reserve seat. That's I know it's a reserve, reserve seat, seat, but it's you know what seat. I mean. I can walk up. I, I can walk up any day and get those seats. I'm talking about the season ticket price. You upset tons and tons of season ticket holders and just disappeared from Twitter, right? And you're all over Twitter today. But you disappeared. Well, I've been when, always very active. On you Twitter. haven't been always very active, though. You can very. go through the timeline, and the day that those tickets went for sale, it got totally cut. So, was the price increase? Uh, would you consider a li- uh, an attempt to limit interest because you don't have the staff necessary to manage a season ticket uh, program? No, that's that's categorically false. The notion that we are doing things to prevent people from coming to the stadium is false. There is still many affordable ways to come to the stadium more affordable than the Giants or any other entertainment sports option in the entire Bay Area. It's cheaper than anything else. We still have great amenities at the ballpark, you know, prices that are lower than other venues. So, like, it's it's become the, – the argument is just not – Accurate. No, it is, Dave, because if you if, if I no, could no, no, buy if, not. it is if I could buy an 80 pack 80 game home thing uh, season ticket two years ago pre pandemic for fifteen hundred dollars and now it's three thousand dollars. I don't care what you name it or how you brand it. That's still an increase, a double of that price. There are people now that didn't sign up for season tickets for the 2022 season, not because of the pandemic, not because they didn't want to go to the games, but because it they got priced out. You priced your fans out of a park that you've been telling us for five years is a toilet bowl. Tony, the price is, like I said, $15. And you've got 8,000 people a night. For you should four. just be giving away they're not, seats. They're not, nobody, that, that is not pricing anyone out. That, okay. Like, we have Dave, very affordable I have, tickets. Uh, you don't. I have talked to, just because you have the option no, no, but, for bleacher seats for 15 bucks. we actually bucks. do. Well, then no, no, why we don't, actually have very affordable options. So then you're going to tell and me, so like, you're going to tell me, and you're so, going to tell all the fans that reached out to me after our last chat, um, which I think was like a week or two before the season ticket print uh, was announced. You're going to tell all those people who, who said my ticket price is doubled, so I'm not going to renew that they're wrong and that they can get those season tickets for the same price that they had before or cheaper. Tony, this is what I'm really clear about. We have a tremendous number of affordable ways to come to the game. Right. I understand $15 it. to get in. I understand. Family it, of four, $9 a person. I understand it, but you Promotions, can't. discounts. It's great. Like you and can't the tell who are me coming, are having you, a great time. You can't and tell me are getting rally towels and they're going to get drone shows on Friday night. That's we great. Promotion. You running. can't tell me all this stuff. It's fun. You can't tell me. We have actually that, a really young, exciting team. I know, but you can't tell me that driving around in a Mercedes for, for whatever, you know, and then you give me a bus pass and tell me, look, you could still it's still transportation. It's still just as good. It's not the same. You're telling me that this this fan that I've that I'm friends with that, that had the seats right on the visitors dugout. 
She cannot afford those seats. Now you can tell me, well, she can get seats in the second deck for fifteen bucks, but the or, or, or seat, maybe even, seats maybe for even seats, like four seats behind. That's not that's you're not missing the you're missing the point, Dave. The fact is her tickets went up double. Just because there are cheaper seats available doesn't mean that on a but on a is, fan by fan basis. This is what basis. I want to be clear about. Last year, that ticket, if you bought it and you sat in that same ticket, we did not have season tickets last year. Remember, it's been three years since we had season tickets. Right. In the way you're thinking about right. it. Right. No. Yeah, I understand. That ticket, like, was more expensive than the price that we put it on the market for this year. You understand? It was less. We get, we we offered them at a lower price than the market clearing price was last year. That's categorically not true because that that same it person that that same true. person that same person could they go onto the buy, secondary market and buy their tickets. A different. No, they're comparing a no, different. No, they're not, Dave. It's the same. As far as fit, you can dress it up in whatever corporate talk you want. As far as the fans are concerned, if I could sit in seat one, row one, for fifty bucks last year, and I can sit in seat one, row one, for a hundred bucks this year, that's an increase. Just because I can get a fifty-dollar ticket somewhere else doesn't mean that my price didn't double. But this double. is what I want to say: last year, that ticket was one hundred and twenty-five dollars. But last year you didn't have season tickets, so see, you're, we're not comparing the same thing. I am so talking. I am talking the like season ticket percent for season ticket holders. And you also and so had they, to raise they the. Get it at a, and you had to raise the price because you couldn't sell out the seats. You know, we like I said, we have a tremendous number of great options for people, affordable options to come to the ballpark. People well, are I, coming to I, the ballpark. I, no, they're, they're actually having a really good experience. You, you can keep saying that, and, but they're not. We're actually having more people this year than last year because last year there were all these restrictions. People were worried about COVID. So we're on an upward trajectory there. So we if, need to build back with all the turbulence that has occurred in the Bay Area the last couple of years. We've had a global pandemic. We've had a lockout situation. We've had all these things. You know, we're, you know, obviously there's been turnover on the players. We totally understand that. But that's something that's happened with the A's for gen- a generation. And we have an exciting young team. And we're hopeful that as the season continues to progress, so the, people will continue to come out and have a good time. The basis of success now is, are we doing better than we were in the middle of a pandemic? Well, the basis of success, Tony, is one thing, and it's a singular thing. It's finding a home. That's so, what we need to do. We right. need to find a home. The, un, the unsettled nature of that is, a, a challenging situation for right. everybody and, involved. And I get that. That's, and I totally I, I understand, appreciate that. I understand that's that that's the official line. And the visceral line. reaction that people are having is that. And I understand that, and I appreciate that, and I'm sympathetic to that. But that doesn't change the fact that it's the one goal that has to be solved that actually has been not solved for 25 years is where are we going to play I don't, and how do I don't we get see how I don't see how jerking yeah. around fans helps you get a vote at the city council. That's the two separate things. You've got fit player fan experience in the park versus your goals um, with the city and stuff for two different things. And you said, moving on a little bit, you've said repeatedly that once we get a park, we'll be able to pay for players. But you and John Fisher, as stakeholders and owner of the San Jose Earthquakes, have not seen uh, you have a new park there, and there has not been the infusion of player investment that would be comparable to what the A's will require you know, to be a successful MLB franchise, which is going to cost a lot more money than MLB. But there's been a dramatic why, increase. Why in should Santa fans? Day why should fans? Yeah, and they've barely—they're not 
regardless. I'm just saying there there has been. Why there, should fans it, believe it's, it's things will be different? Why should fans believe things will be different in Oakland when they have a clear example of what the future holds for Oakland right down in San Jose, which is more business as usual despite the new park? Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the people will be in the pudding. Either the investments will be made or they won't be made. But I think we'll know one thing for sure, Tony. We'll know that the team is in Oakland. Right, but that doesn't. I mean, that's that's great. But you want to we'll have, know that. Do you want to have and a half full house have... in Oakland because you got you're you're fielding a bunch of minor leaguers? The the point is, is you keep telling people we have a you, record hang of on. putting competitive teams yes. on the field. Yes, Billy Bean, low Billy Bean and David Forrest have made is, John Fisher's cheapness look brilliant. More, there's going to be a lot more resources that will be available for the um, baseball operations team. Right. In a new stadium. So We're just going to have higher revenue. This front office has made Ace fans like the laughing stock of baseball. You don't have to go far on Twitter or Facebook or anything to see this. And, you know, I own a business. And if my customers were falling off in record numbers and I couldn't attract business, I'd have one of two options. I cut my losses and leave the business. Or I pull some money from the bank and I invest in my business. That's it. Those are the options. I don't have the option of putting out a worse product at a higher price and telling my customers that it'll all be worth it in half a decade. But that seems to be the business model that John Fisher is forcing on Billy Bean and David Force, and they make it look like it works because they're geniuses. But they would also be geniuses with a $100 million payroll. So can the A's sustain even two or three seasons with this kind of income, this kind of revenue shortfalls? Can they even survive two or three seasons with this... Uh, this business model as the stadium saga continues? Because it's not, I mean, even if it got all fixed tomorrow, well, the, sta the stadium's not the going stadium up. I think the stadium saga, I, I think this is a critical year, Tony, in the stadium saga. And I, I, I'm confident that we're going to know, especially by the end of this year, a lot more than we know now. Right, but if you know um, tomorrow. The parallel paths are accelerating. If you knew. And it's it's going to bring a lot of resolution to this in a way that I think will be helpful for everyone. If you, if you knew tomorrow, if they, the city council said, you know what, we've cleared all the red tape. You can start tomorrow in Oakland at Howard Terminal. Get whatever you want. Here's a check for all the infrastructure. It's done. Nothing else to worry about. You're still not going to get a stadium by next season. Right? So there's not going to be the investment. No. So that's what I'm no. saying is while this is playing out, because even if everything goes great, you're still three, four, five years out from having that new ballpark and that new revenue stream that you say is going to cause investment back into the team, which I have my doubts about. Can the A's sustain under this current model through that time? Well, you have to remember that we have a, a, a new nucleus of young players. You know, we've kind of reloaded. Yeah. And they're going to you know the latest cycle and they're going to want so two or three million dollars in a couple of years. And you guys aren't going to pay that. Well, you have to understand there's a couple different things at play. One, once you know what year you're going to open the new stadium, you have a bridge to something that you can, you know, backload contracts and spend more money. The other thing, which is as significant, is that in the last collective bargaining agreement between the players and the owners, the revenue sharing was reinstated to the A's, which gives us more resources to invest in players in the medium term. So there's two factors that are going to create a trajectory that I think is more palatable. And, you know, especially with the ability of Billy and David to put good teams out there, um, I think can put us in a better position in kind of the medium term, but we're not quite there yet. I mean, but even this year with Coste as the skipper and the way the team is performing, and it's not perfect and it's young, but there's a lot of exciting things happening on the field and with right. the players. And so we're hopeful that people will continue to see that as a positive and, you know, understand that the only way to break this cycle with the players constantly being recycled 
is a new building. I think just from what I've seen and as a fan myself, I think that that um, mindset is it's running out of steam. We were all with that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. You know, we, we were all with that. Well, it's going to get better when we have some money. It'll get better when we have the park. And, you know, it went from Flo- uh, Fremont to to Laney to, you know, all these different places. And it keeps getting pushed down the line. And I think fans and I think we see this in the attendance number and the TV ratings and all that kind of stuff. I think that that mindset is starting to fade. And if, if John Fisher, and I know you're not the one that's going to be able to convince him because nobody else can, but if there was a serious investment into keeping any of these players that they liked, I think you would have, you'd be at least double the fans you've got right now. People will pay for a product that they can believe in, that they can support. And if you keep pulling the rug out of them, you know, you can get away but, with but it two or three times. It has, to, it has to be in a new building for us to monetize. It doesn't, Dave. Because, there, Tony, you, you remember could, this. You could in have 2019. Hey, Tony, in 2019, what did we draw? I don't have those numbers in front of me. We drew like a million and a half. People. Okay. What did you like, what did you draw in 2014? Uh, like 1.9. Yeah. Almost 2 million. It was one of the best years you'd had in, in quite a long time. And then you blew that team up. Yes. Well, yeah, you did. Well, you did what I'm but... saying. In well, it was before my time, right? But in 2019, but the, you you had, are just the latest face. This has been games. a long time. No, but what I'm saying about this, this is important to understand. It's, it's you own a business, you understand this. In 2019, we had A's access, we had the lower ticket prices, we had the higher 20,000 in attendance. We, you know, we had everything hitting on every cylinder. We had 97 wins two years in a row, and we couldn't even crest 1.5 million. That is the reason we need the new stadium at the waterfront. Because no. winning isn't even enough. It's got to be a venue you that's sold fan-friendly, my- that attracts casual fans. And this is the most important thing. It has to be a venue where we capture the revenue stream. So, for instance, like Ring Central Coliseum, I don't make any money off that. The city gets that. So you have to understand that we're in a weird situation where we're, you know, the landlord gets a lot of the benefits of our venue that we don't get. And so we're, we're really constrained that even when we have larger crowds, we don't generate the kind of revenue that other teams do. So we need this new building. We're focused like a laser beam on it. We hope to have resolution this year. We recognize that there's been a lot of turbulence and it's a challenging environment for our fans, but we still have a fun experience at the Coliseum with affordable tickets, great amenities that we've invested all this money in the building, and we have some great young players to get behind. And so that's what we have. We're focused on that and we're hopeful it makes a difference this season. So if you've got, um, you guys have the county, the county half of the Coliseum site was sold to you guys, correct? It was. All right. So do you not get their percentage of the revenues that you're saying the city uh, is, is, you know, you're not getting as a team, all the benefits of those revenue streams. Are you getting any of the, the former county shares? It's the facility still operates at a deficit because there's so much capital investment required to just keep the lights on. Okay. Uh, one last question under your reign as a president for this organization, which has been several years now, um, mm-hmm. ACE fans have been asked to endure a lot, both from the front office. And then of course, with like the passing of Ray Fossey and thing, you know, you know, other things yeah, that, that obviously nobody has yeah, control over. Yeah. Um, but they've been asked to do like a season of no radio coverage, the cancellation of, 
those marketing campaigns that everybody liked, a confusing rollout of your flex program that, that bought you no extra um, good PR, um, the cancellation of A's access, the doubling of season ticket prices, the bad attendance uh, that's, you know, all, all that anybody reports on right now, no matter how good the A's play, um, the premature announcement of Laney College and, and that subsequent backpedal, the inability to sign the, the, a single player to a meaningful contract with all of that behind you looking forward is there anything that you can look at in your tenure of this far that um that you're proud of as far as what you've had an impact on well tony we have never been closer to solving the 25 year old saga of where the a's are going to end up and getting them on a firm financial footing and i feel it is my role to actually push that across the finish line wherever that is well, and see, we that's, have parallel paths that we're working on. That's the thing, and though. The, is the you've number got this... one goal right now is to, to get resolution on this whole topic. And we're doing everything we can to do that. And we hope to even have answers as soon as this summer. But that's the thing is you've got this asterisk there that, yes, we're very proud of how close we are to a stadium, but also dear generations of Oakland A's fans, it may not be where you want it to be. Well, at the end of the day, we have to find some solution that works. And it hasn't been on offer yet, and we're doing everything we can to solve that. And like I said earlier, like in Oakland, we're as close as we've ever been, and we're also making a lot of great progress in Vegas. So, you know, options are out there, and we'll continue to march forward on both parallel paths and you know, see where we can get to as soon as possible. I just hope, and, and that was my final question, I just I thank you for your time. Um, I don't know that we got any more clarity than we ever do, but um, uh, I just hope that John Fisher and you to a degree um, as the president of the team really understand the gravity and the importance of being stewards of this historic franchise. And the, the, this is not just a business. This isn't like running an old Navy. Things have to be done different. And you are making a personal connection with fans Every day, 162 days a year, you're making a personal connection. We buy your hats and your shirts and go to your games and eat your hot dogs. And there's a, a you know, 110 or 115 year history that you are now at the crossroads of. And and this history has been, for better or worse, a history that's had uh, cheap owners and crazy managers and all the hijinks and stuff that have been associated with this organization since the beginning. Right, right down to our mascot. But I just hope that the people in the front office, the decision makers, the people that are spending the money know that this is bigger than just a portfolio item and an investment thing and that they're actually doing things that will sustain this team for the next hundred years. And I don't think just, the ballpark alone is not going to do it. Right. There's other elements that also need to be at play. And I hope that we're sure, not losing sure, no, sight and, and of I, those and elements. I, and I agree with that. But I think the the thing is, you know, we're at the end of a really fierce battle to try to get the ballpark to prove in Oakland. And we have a lot of people who are working day and night and who are opposed to that project. You know, some people out of San Francisco who don't want to see the A's on the same footing of the Giants. Some people on from the maritime and polluting community who don't want to see a clean waterfront in Oakland. And it's important to remember that those interests have one goal, which is to pit the fans against the team 
and actually achieve their outcome, right, which but is the team leaving or being dissolved. That's, and so, that's not so really their goal. I, I, their I goal can, is they're, they're not, they're no, not advocating for polluted water in the, in the estuary. They're advocating for their business to not be bothered. That's what it all comes down. They're advocating for their well, bottom line. they shouldn't line. be allowed to break the law. No, they shouldn't, and I totally agree with that, and I no, hope you win those no, lawsuits. But I'm just saying, they're, yeah, not, they're, they're advocating for business as usual and not in my backyard kind of thing, which you would have gotten anywhere. You're going to get it in Vegas. Um, but I think it's disingenuous to say they're trying to just pollute the water and pit fans against each other because ultimately the fans don't have a vote. You know, but, the but fans do. don't really have any I mean, say in this. Certainly, they, of course they do. They can advocate for the stadium. They can come out to the game. Their voices are heard in a variety of forms. I think they have a, a, a big set. Well, then, if that's, if that's their voice, then their voice is being heard right now at 7,942 people per game. Well, I mean, we're, we're hopeful that we'll continue to have more people out. I think the people who are coming out are having a great time. And that's and I see the smiles on their faces, which is fantastic, especially the kids. And we're going to continue to bring that joy to families throughout the Bay Area when they come to the Coliseum. Period. That's what we're doing. Well, I hope your focus um, kind of goes back a step or two to, to when you first got here, and you focus more on the fan outreach and getting the education out. You can't rely on uh, a, a few prominent Twitter people or um, you know uh, editorials in the newspaper to to get your message out. And I don't think the A's front office is doing an effective job at getting their message. I can go on Twitter right now and find 20 tweets that think that you guys are asking the city for $10 billion to build this. That's right. the misinformation. I, I know, but, but that's the thing is I don't think the front office is doing enough to combat many, this mis- many misinformation. Of those, we've analyzed it. Many of those tweets are from bottom. They're not even real people. Well, I mean, that's the case with Twitter, with everything. But but you get my but point. What I'm saying but is real people see those bots. Missing. Real people see those bots, that. Dave. And you have to this combat that. And issue. the office is not combating that effectively. We have the same issue that democracy has in America. That these new media forms are very difficult and tricky to navigate. Right. And ill-informed and malicious actors can take advantage of them. And that's exactly what we've had. And that's well, very then, unfortunate. But we're going to... Buy some bots, Dave. Buy some and, bots. Yeah. Buy some bots. Get some bots well, to put out some real. We don't want to. We don't want to think to their level. You don't have. It doesn't have to be nefarious. Getting the truth out there is a is a worthy endeavor, whether it's political or well, business. We're, we're or, doing we're doing the best we can, but I appreciate your opinion on that because I think it's true. So. All right, Dave. I've taken too much of your time already. Thanks for. Uh, Tony, as always, in. it's always good catching up. Good luck with your family and, you. and your little one, and hope to see you at the college. All right, take care. Take care, bro.